The 2020 Formula 1 season has been one that we will remember for a long time. I don't think that there's been such a competitive season of F1 while one person still dominates. It sounds like a weird contradiction, but if you look back, it's true. With new winners, new destinations and history made, 2020 was a stellar season. To help me pull it apart and highlight the key talking points, friends of the show Jimmy and Joe join me to debate 10 awards for the 2020 F1 season. I hope that you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. My name's Adam Williams and hopefully Joe and Jimmy who join me today have some different opinions. We're going to be talking through the Formula One season and reviewing it and what a season it was. We were lucky to have one to be fair but before we get into any of that we're just going to have a chat with the two kind gentlemen that have decided to join me during the Christmas period. First of all, let me welcome to the show for the first time, Joe Collins. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I uh, look forward to the both of you accepting that my opinion is in fact the right one, as normal. (laughs) And Jimmy, you've joined us again after your appearance on the 10 Out of 10 podcast. Um, And are you doing well? And have you enjoyed the season? That's the important question. I'm doing very well, thank you, Adam. Yeah, really interesting season. After a bit of a rocky start with uh, Australia, obviously, yeah, it all came, yeah, very good. Yeah, very good indeed. Uh, I mean, some very good races, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more uh, throughout this uh, podcast. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I I remember, well, for those of you that don't know, Joe lived with me last year when it was normal, and Jimmy pretty much lived with us. He, he didn't technically, but he spent most of his time in our flat. And I, I, I do remember that weekend where the Australian Grand Prix stopped. And, and that was kind of the wake-up call for me that if it's affecting Formula One, this is pretty huge. Um, I don't know if you can remember that. Um, anyway, we're going to be doing 10 different awards or handing them out. We're not literally going to be handing out trophies because I've not reached that level of analysis yet however we are going to verbally award people i already have with my blog um and then joe and jimmy are probably going to tell me i'm wrong which is what they did when we lived together so first of all we're going to look at the biggest winner of f1 2020 now joe do you want to start off with telling me who you thought Um, Well, I think we're in agreement with this one. I went for Sergio Perez as being 2020's biggest winner. Uh, Do you want to expand on that? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I think if you were... I think if you asked the question several weeks ago, he actually could have been 2020's biggest loser because he looked like he was out the drive. He could have been remembered as a solid midfield point scorer. But now... He's a race winner in F1. He's performed unbelievably well throughout the season. You know, multiple podiums and multiple podiums that he was robbed of as well. Um, And he's now got a real chance in a team that should be the second best, if everything stays as normal, to become viewed as a driver on the next level up, really. Do Do you think, just on that, that he can perform in Red Bull next to Max Verstappen? Definitely, definitely. He's... He's much more experienced than the past few drivers that have been next to Max. Um, and he's been a really solid driver for 10 years now. So I definitely think he's got what it takes. I don't think he'll beat Max, but he'll definitely 
bring home a lot more points. It's that consistency, isn't it? And and being there to kind of cause Mercedes a headache uh, with, with their strategy. And that's exactly what Gasly wasn't able to do. And then Alex Albon, they gave Albon a bit more time, but it was the right move. And I do agree with you with Sergio Perez being the biggest winner, but does Jimmy agree? That's the question. Um, probably not, actually. Uh, although although Perez is a very... Uh, I mean, Red Bull, I'd quite like to see Albon there next year, but I can understand perfectly well why, why they'd choose Perez. Um, but I think that the biggest winner is Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I have to say, because, you know, the way he's, uh, you know, the way he sort of dominated the, the pack in, in 2020, considering that Bottas had the same car and all that sort of stuff. And he's come out equaling uh, Schumacher. And I've got a, a very, very interesting story about uh, Lewis Hamilton, actually. Um, can I say it now or a bit later? Yes, you can, of course, Jimmy. So I went to a Mercedes garage today. I was chatting to the, the salesman there. And uh, Mercedes have got like a hypercar um, coming out called the AMG One, Project One. And uh, yeah, it's a very... That's got his 2015 engine in, oh, Lewis's. Oh, right. You're just, right, you're just blowing that for me, mate. That sort of story. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, anyway, there's a bit more to the story um, that he's brought one for his dad as well. So he's brought two, two and a half million pound cars. So five million in total. Uh, so that's, that's so he's he's bought one for his dad as well as himself. Yeah, which is lovely. I mean, I'd do that if I had the money, uh, which I don't. Uh, so yeah, it, I thought you know, yeah, I didn't realise that was common knowledge, but there we go. Uh, it, it's it's a pretty cool story, though. I think. I think it is, and it, it probably does describe that Lewis Hamilton is winning in life to be able to do that. And it, it's a pretty straightforward answer. Lewis is the champion, therefore he's the biggest winner, and I guess he did win the most amount of races um thinking back uh he should have won in russia were it not for penalties he could have won in austria were it not for a grid penalty you could argue for or against um and then he had coronavirus and there's not that many races where he shouldn't have won just based on pace it, he was consistently there and that's why he is the biggest winner. However, I do disagree with you. Perez had such a tough season and he's come back. And think of the amount of money that he's got out of that buyout from Racing Point. He's probably got enough money to buy a Project One as well. Yeah, I wonder how much money he did get. What's his salary? About five million, six million? Probably about that. So, so yeah, I'd probably say it's probably 150% of his salary, so about 10 million, uh, his buyout, um, because of compensation as well as. Uh, you know that sort of stuff. So yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's good. He's at Red Bull for sure. Uh, what else was I going to? What else was going to say? Oh yeah, just on Mercedes brand in general. I just think Hamilton has elevated the, like the the brand so much. Before Hamilton, it wasn't really. It was a good brand, of course. It wasn't so a, a very well known uh, German car maker. But but now it's just elevated it so much. To, it's incredible, really incredible. Uh, just thought I'd say that. Uh, yeah. Well, well, Daimler have cashed in, haven't they, in, in recent days by selling a bit of its shares to Total Wolf and Ineos. So it's that they've all got a third each. And I'm imagining the amount of money that Daimler got out of buying Braun GP back in 2009 up until now is a fair bit. And I know, I know we've talked in the past about the incredible marketing uh, that Mercedes Formula One team gives uh, the Mercedes brand and Daimler in general. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I echo that. Yeah, it's it's, it's re- really incredible. Um, yeah, it, it it costs Mercedes nothing, and it makes them so much more money from re- revenue and car sales. Really, you're arguing that Mercedes are the biggest winners as a result of this, rather than Lewis. However, which whichever way you are arguing, Joe and I have outvoted you two one because it's Perez. It's democracy two one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have. So the next point is the biggest loser. Jimmy, do you want to start us off with this one? Alex Albon, probably. Yeah, I think that um, Alex Albon is... Uh, yeah, it's a shame for him. I mean, I do quite like Alex. Um, he hasn't he hasn't done an awful lot wrong, to be honest, um, in terms of... Obviously, he could have done a lot better with his races and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel a bit sorry because he performed very well at Toro Rosso. I just think the Red Bull car is a bit, uh, bit of a wild sort of animal to handle uh, any Verstappen containment um but yeah um definitely Alex I have to say uh well well to be fair Red Bull have that that kind of reputation reputation don't they Joe of of being a meat grinder and putting people in a position where they either sink or swim and and in the in previous years they've sank quite frequently yeah absolutely um and that's that's why I think Perez is going to handle it better than that just throwing random youngsters into the mix, really. Well, yeah, he does. He doesn't have an anxious Red Bull team like Helmut Marco looking over his shoulder. Like he said that he's he's got kind of a deal ready in twenty twenty one. If he didn't have any, oh sorry, in twenty twenty two, if he didn't have anything for next year, so potentially whatever option he had there, it won't be as good as Red Bull, but he can fall back on that. So. It's kind. It's kind of everyone's a winner. But back going back to Alex Albon, he at least continues in a, a test driver role, um, and will have a lot of experience for the 2022 car because that's going to be his focus. So, if he is able to get back into Formula One in 2022, then he'll be more ready than most. And at least there's that. Uh, but I do agree with Jimmy in the. Uh, Alex has had a really tough year and you do think if he hadn't have been knocked out by Lewis rightly or wrongly in Austria in the first race he could have gone on and won and do you think that would have changed the the whole face of his and potentially Perez's season Jimmy? Uh, Definitely yeah I think it would have given Albon amazing amount of confidence especially early on in the season it's something that you you sort of really need to get off on 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 the right foot because sport as both of you know, is uh, is a form game. So if you're on form, you know you do well. You know you can have a you can have a, a League Two uh, football team go and win the FA Cup um, if they're on form. They're not particularly good players, but if they have the desire and they're on form, um, they can go and win anything almost. Um, so yeah, I think definitely think that if he if he did win, um, he, he could have definitely enhanced um, his his season for sure. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Joe, you look like you were kind of disagreeing there. Um, who have you got down for your biggest loser this well, year? Well, I was tempted to go for Albon, but I've actually gone for Valtteri Bottas as the biggest loser. Um, I just think he's been completely destroyed by Hamilton for the fourth year in a row now. Um, even after another bright start, again after Austria, looked like you know Bottas 4.0 or whatever we're on now. But by the end of the season, again, just looks completely broken. Um, 
and especially with the the Sakir Grand Prix as well, Russell coming in straight away, performing very well, almost you know even better than Bottas. Um, I just think that Albon might be able to bounce back. You know, he's still in a reserve role. There's still a, a path back for him. For with Bottas, he's got next year, and I don't see where he goes from 2022 if Merck decide to go with George Russell. Because drivers like, I mean, what what team would take Bottas after this? Maybe Williams. Yeah. Williams tend to be younger Mercedes drivers and a driver with a lot of financial backing. Not Bottas isn't young anymore. He doesn't have the best financial backing. The only other one I can see is Renault, but I think they'd be more likely to go with someone like Gasly. Um, so I just don't see where Bottas goes after twenty twenty two. He's a, he's a perfect driver as like a second driver almost he'd be perfect at Ferrari in many ways because if someone like Charles Leclerc was you know the next Michael Schumacher for instance I'm not sure if he will be yet but they sort of need someone who will sort of take it and just you know oh he'll be a second driver he won't mind if he comes second all the time or we want Leclerc to come past because he'll just do as we say if Hamilton and Leclerc were together that would never happen because Hamilton would never give up a place to Leclerc I just think there are several drivers like Sainz and Gasly who are gonna? They have more potential than Bottas while also filling that role. I completely agree, uh, and I I nearly did put Bottas down, and I I think you're right about Gasly probably going to Renault unless Ocon can sort himself out. It'll probably be either Gasly replacing Ocon, or maybe that he replaces Fernando Alonso if Alonso gets fed up and retires again. I just asked a question. What what do you think about the Mercedes situation? What do you do if you're Toto Wolf? Obviously, next season is pretty much sorted in terms of contract unless Lewis decides to walk away, which I doubt. Um, but do you bring Russell in and, and risk destabilising it? Or, or do, you, do you continue with Bottas knowing that there are better drivers out there, but you, you, you're kind of doing all right, so why change a winning formula? Go on, Joe. Um, I think you stick with Bottas for this season because it's already sorted contractually. It's just, you know, give George another season in Williams. But after that, I think you have to take George. I mean, there's been a few drivers that Mercedes have had, um, Verline and Ocon, who haven't got the Mercedes drive. So I think for their academy to look successful, their only option is to go with George now. They have to, especially after the Sakir Grand Prix. And surely George will get even more frustrated and potentially look elsewhere I, I know that he's been incredibly professional and well well mannered in terms of how he handles himself in the media I was really impressed in Sakir but surely as a competitor he might look elsewhere um, if if they don't move him up to Mercedes perhaps he goes to I don't know a, a, a midfield team like Racing Point if a gap opens up but yeah, it's it's a really tough but nice decision uh, that the Mercedes are going to have to make at some point very soon. It's almost as though Bottas's contract for next year was a bit of an inconvenience after Sakir. Um, but yeah, I think it's right that Bottas continues. Um, my biggest loser was Racing Point, and that's because, quite simply, they had the third fastest car this season and they didn't get third place in the championship. I know that they, they would have got it if they didn't have those 
penalty points from whatever you want to call it, a pink Mercedes racing point. Um, but they, they had brake ducts that were a bit too similar to Mercedes. I think that they did make some mistakes in, in terms of bringing uh, Sergio Perez in for a pit stop in Imola. And I, I know it's easy easily caught, but they were seemingly laid back with how they treated their drivers uh, getting coronavirus, uh, particularly Stroll, letting him carry on. From an operations perspective, uh, Racing Point were weak, and that's why they lost to a really operationally strong McLaren. So, as I said in, in, in my blog, McLaren ultimately won, but Racing Point, they need to be finishing third when Ferrari are out of the picture and they have the third fastest car. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but that's where I'm coming from. No, definitely. I, d I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, definitely. I think McLaren have been one of the most impressive teams this year as a team. Um, you know, the whole team and the drivers as well. If you look at the, the teams around them, um, both Racing Point and Renault had one really strongly performing driver and then another one a bit off. McLaren were the only one with an incredibly close pair of drivers. Um, and I think that's what ultimately made the difference as well. Um, and yeah, I, d I agree that Racing Point are quite a big loser this year. Um, but I think there's a lot of promising signs going forward for them. So maybe they haven't quite lost as much. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting point you raise about the uh, one driver performing better in Renault and Racing Point. Because those one drivers, Ricardo and Perez, they're actually leaving this at the end of this season so it's interesting times there but we'll see what happens there what do you think jimmy just before we move on uh, yeah uh you know how big a bigger fan i have i'm a mclaren so yeah I, i'm pretty happy they finished third um it's, to be honest i'm really looking forward to um to next year uh see where mclaren are with the token system i don't think they'll be as far on as we think they are because i have to put some tokens in to develop the uh, mercedes engine with the um with the, the car so, so yeah so it'll be really interesting right so the next award that we're going to look at is moment of the season and for me it's quite clear it's got to be lewis hamilton finishing the british grand prix with three tires inflated and one not so inflated it was like lightning mcqueen and it was my childhood coming back into real life and it was all brilliant and i was shouting at the tv i know you two were probably shouting at the tv you can't deny that was the best moment. Go on then, deny me. Yeah, it probably was, to be fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was an amazing... Like, to think, if that was a couple of laps earlier, it would have been last. Um, it was a bit, a hell of a lot of luck from Lewis. Um, and yeah, it, it was a brilliant moment, and I'm glad he won the, the British Grand Prix. Um, but yeah, I can't really think of other. Maybe, maybe Perez his first uh, win. That was quite nice. Um, but yeah, or 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 potentially uh, Lewis in Istanbul because that was a hell of a drive that was. Well, that brings you me to uh, my top moment of the year, which was uh, the seven titles. Lewis crossing the line in Istanbul after the best drive of the season, in my opinion. Potentially of his career. Definitely the best possible way that you could win seven titles. You know, people really wrote him off on Saturday, you know, um, saying that it was all down to the car. You know, when the car wasn't performing, he couldn't do it. 
and he starts sixth and he wins by over 30 seconds. Completely the best way to win seven titles. And also, it was just a brilliant podium as well with uh, Perez and Vettel getting on there. So that the whole post-race in... Uh, Istanbul was actually my favourite moment of the season. I can't, I can't actually argue with that, Joe. Uh, it was when Vettel leaned over and said, "You're making history," to Lewis. I mean, I'm not going to deny. I cried <laughs> during that. Um, but just on that, um, Hamilton lapped Bottas in that race. Just for those that were were saying, "Oh, but it's the car," that 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 was a perfect demonstration, mm-hmm. like you say of why he is a seven-time world champion and one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all Absolutely. time. Absolutely. It was very um, it was very reminiscent of um, Britain 2008, where Massa spun six times and Lewis won by over a minute. And that that's the difference between him and other drivers, I think. Yeah, exactly. It, he was almost kind of cruising and, and waiting behind people to make the mistakes. And then... He goes from kind of you're doubting whether he's going to finish on the podium, and then you look back at the timings, and he's half a minute down the road. It was almost incredible, but it wasn't almost incredible. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, that that was a really good moment. And I on that, I like Charles Leclerc's kind of passion when, in terms of being frustrated mm-hmm. with himself, uh, but he'll have many more podiums in the future. And at that moment, we didn't know what. Perez's future looked like and we knew the struggles that Vettel had gone through so I'm willing to concede there and and give that as the greatest moment I don't know about you Jimmy yeah I would definitely say that for sure (laughs) easily swayed I've heard Um, these reactions before so there we go (laughs) maybe Joe was right at the beginning (laughs) Um, so the next one is the AJ on the line line of the year and I'm going to give this one to Joe just to talk us through now, if that's all right. Absolutely. Well, um, I think, you know, he hasn't done too well this year, but he could consider a career as a musician if this doesn't work out. Because he's had several singing team radios that have done uh, very well. My personal favourite was uh, Who Let the Dogs Out, covered by Sebastian Vettel. Um I really enjoy. I really enjoyed all the reactions to the dogs. Um, you know, I think Seb had a fantastic one. Lewis had a fantastic one as well. But who? I hope it's not Roscoe. Yes, that, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah. yeah, who let the dogs out? Performed by Sebastian Vettel was my favourite. Okay, well, on that, I'm going to also give it to Sebastian Vettel, but for singing, um, I can't remember what Italian song it was, <laughs> but what whatever it was, it was something important in Italy and he actually brought he hid the script in his car and he changed the words to to make it more meaningful for his Ferrari team and that is a sign of a certified bloke he's a top guy and I don't think um, Ferrari deserve him (laughs) after what they did to him at the beginning of the season to to do that he you saw him after the race he was handing the beers out he just loves Ferrari. He loves Formula One. And that that was the perfect demonstration of that for me. He's got a great sense of humour, like you say, Joe. But for me, it was his passion I loved. Jimmy, have you got a hat-trick for Seb? Or is it going to be someone else? Maybe um, Lewis and 
uh, you know, his sort of speech after running seventh world titles. I thought that was quite nice, you know, uh, for all the kids out there who think they can't do it, they can and all that sort of stuff. So that was quite nice, uh, for sure. Uh, very motivational. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, not too sure about, I'm sure Lando will science said something quite funny at some point. Um, but, but yeah, oh, they're, they're always doing something. So is Danny Rick, but yeah, yeah they, they played Lewis's uh, radio message there at, at the beginning of sports personality of the year uh, in kind of the, the intro to it. Um, and that, that was prime. That was kind of foreshadowing what was to come. He, he got it again. Um, whether you agree with sports personality of the year and what it means or not, that was quite cool. Um, We'll move on then. We'll give Sebastian Vettel the award for whatever he chooses. Although, on, on the topic of Sebastian Vettel, I just want to get this off my chest, if that's all right, boys. Um, I lost marks in my recent module at university uh, because of Sebastian Vettel, because I was representing Italy, and I thought I'll, I'll try and be more accurate, and I'll throw a bit of Italian in. And thanks to Sebastian Vettel, I've learned a bit. So I said, uh, grazie a tutti, and apparently tutti is informal, and I lost marks for informal language because it just so happened that my module leader spoke Italian. So if I ever meet Seb, I'm going to complain to him about that. That's just a little bit of a distraction from this whole review, but I just needed to get it off my chest. I hope you understand. Absolutely, that's, that's poor from Seb. He's let himself down there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but he's still getting the award. We'll <laughs> give him that. Um, <laughs> so another award that we need to give out is the honourable mention. Now, I'm going to let Jimmy talk you through who he wants to shout out as someone that's done well this season. Um, it doesn't need to be a specified reason, but it would do if he can back it up. So over to you, Jimmy. Yeah, probably uh, Grosjean. To be honest, his crash in uh, this was it the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, I think that was a pretty big moment in Formula One. I mean, we haven't seen a crash like that for for years and years, uh, where the car uh, goes up in flames. Uh, obviously, I'm really glad that he's all right, uh, as everyone would be. But but yeah, um, I, I think that that yeah, it is a massive moment, and it just shows how far that Formula One have, have come uh, in safety. Obviously, there's there needs to be things that the FI needs. FIA need to look at um, in terms of like the the, the car shouldn't split in two and that sort of thing, but you know the halo stood up and uh, did its job and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, uh, I think that's a, it's a big uh, moment. And I, I think that we'll all wish uh, Grosjean well in his recovery, but but yeah, I think that's a, that's a, it's a a good uh, honourable uh, mention. I think it's a good shout. Over to you, Joe. What have you um, got? I've gone for Pierre Gasly. Um, he's been very consistent all year um, with some absolute standout performances. You know, Monza, of course. Um, I just think it's a huge bounce back from the situation last year. You know, it would have been so easy to see him just keep sliding down. Um, you know, and he's come out with, I think it's more than double Kvyat's points. And Kvyat was a, you know, solid driver. Um Kvyat had a great end yeah, to the like, season. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I just think Gasly is one of the most impressive drivers of this season, definitely. Yeah, he's got to be up there as one of the drivers of the season. So I definitely agree with that. He had such a good move 
uh, at the bottom of Eau Rouge. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to say that's Radion actually, but I, I made sure that it was actually Eau Rouge, Eau Rouge <laughs> in my head before saying that. Um, but yeah, some great drives by him. And then, of course, there was Italy and, and that moment where he was stand, uh, or sitting on the podium kind of reflecting on what he'd done. And I, I nearly picked that as moment of the season, yeah. to be fair, um, just because of all of the emotion that surrounded that. Um, I've gone for Chase Kerry as my honourable mention. Um, I know I know it's not really a driver or a team, but he still managed to put together a season during a pandemic, him and his team. Um, and he's also got all of these stubborn uh, teams to sign up to the Concord Agreement and ensure that there are 10 teams still in Formula One, despite all of the financial implications of this pandemic. And that that should be something that isn't overlooked. And of course, he's leaving the sport, uh, or not leaving the sport, he's going to be a non-executive uh, for Liberty Media and hand over to a great replacement in Stefano Dimilicali. Um And that, that should be quite interesting in terms of where Liberty go from here. But yeah, I just thought I'd give a shout out, an honourable mention to Chase Kerry. So thank you f- for that, Chase. Right, so the next award is the biggest flop. So it's what we thought was the biggest disappointment um, or, or got too much hype during the season and it never delivered. Um, we'll start with you, Joe. Um, well, there's only one choice, really, I think, and it has to be Ferrari. Um, they have, you know, a huge budget, um, very talented driver lineup, some of the best facilities in F1, and somehow they're basically the only team to go backwards. I think almost every team improved. Um, apart from Ferrari, um, maybe Alfa Romeo as well because of the Ferrari engines, um, you know, um, and it's not not just on the track as well. You know, their car was a massive disappointment, but the way they handled particularly Vettel throughout the season, you know, there were rumours that he was only speaking to about four people in the team. Um, you know, just his very close engineers. That's not how you handle a driver leaving and I think it cost them points you know through Seb becoming demotivated um so I think it has to be Ferrari um as you you always expect Ferrari to deliver something and to have a car that slow it's just not not what you'd expect from a team with the facilities you have well they finished sixth in the championship and I think it was their worst season since something like 1970 and I completely agree with you on all, all fronts there. Uh, they really didn't handle Vettel well. And he's such a classy guy. And, and for like I, I've spoken about in a few minutes ago, Seb loves the team. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible that he still loves the team after what, what they put him through. I mean, it, it's not that difficult driving a Ferrari Formula 1 car for a living. But still, um, it, it can't be that nice, especially given how isolated it must have been to be travelling away from your family like that. You'd, you'd at least think that it's a nice environment. And you're right, Ferrari is the biggest team in Formula 1 and should be at the front. So finishing sixth position is not acceptable. Uh, do you agree on this, Jimmy, or do you have another opinion? Yeah, it's totally unacceptable for a, for a outfit like Ferrari, who are the oldest team in Formula 1, uh, to just go backwards. Uh, I, I think that... 
I think, to be fair to Ferrari, the car's improved. I just think they weren't expecting that much of a deficit in the power unit because obviously last year's power unit got, uh, had, yeah, it got penalised, didn't it, somehow for them doing something with a fuel flow. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that, um, yeah, Ferrari haven't done a good job this season at all, um, for sure. So are they your biggest flop? Uh, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Okay, well, we'll have to give it to, to you with uh, saying Ferrari. I, I had a different one, which seems almost insignificant now because I said Turnato, <laughs> Turkey. Because, to be fair, there was a lot of hype about going back to Turkey, taking Turnate flat out, and, and the drivers hardly got to... Well, I don't think they would have done flat out, even no. in, in the dry conditions, because the tarmac just didn't have the grip to do it. Um so, yeah, it, it's a pretty silly one, but I, I think it was a bit of a flop. I'll agree with you. Ferrari was the biggest flop, and we'll, we'll give it to them. I'm sure they're proud. <laughs> the next one, on a more positive note, is the best race. I'm going to let Jimmy talk us through his best race. Monza, I would say. That was such a, a cool race. I mean, you know, Lewis and Mercedes cocked up. You know, he had a, a penalty. Um, but yeah, to, to see a mixed up grid, it was just brilliant. You know, uh, Science and Gasly going at it to the to the wire, trying to win the, the Grand Prix. Something we haven't seen for a very long time in Formula One, and and even more so um, when their manufacturer sort of in the midfield. So yeah, it was a, it's a brilliant race. Uh, had everything in it really. So yeah, really good race. Yep, I I went for Italy as well. Um, it it was a Mercedes cock up doing that. And and Hamilton has to take some blame. I know it wasn't exactly obvious that the pit lane was closed, but for someone of his experience, he probably should have um, noted uh, that there that there was a pit lane closed. Kind of light flashing is not that easy to show. But I like the fact that the top three battling for the lead, none of them had won a race before, and yeah, it was great. So the same as you basically. I also think back to that and I think, where was Bottas? Because he didn't have any issues other than he was just slow. And that kind of backs up your argument, Joe, for Bottas being the biggest loser this year, unfortunately. Um, but what did you have as your best race? I've got a suspicion of what it might be. Uh, my favourite race was not Monza, it was the Sakir Grand Prix. Um I just think that it provided slightly more on-track action with cars overtaking each other. <clears throat> um, a big, you know, it's a recurring problem with Monza that cars kind of get stuck behind each other, the DRS train. Um, I think Sakir had everything. You know, it had some fantastic overtakes and the mixed-up grid, the drama with Mercedes, the Mercedes pit stop, and Perez coming from the back to the front to win. Well, it's never been done before after being last on the first lap. No, no, exactly. So I just I just think it had slightly more on-track action as opposed to just a mixed-up grid that we had in Monza, which, of course, was a fantastic race. No one's going to deny that. But I just think Sakir just edges it for me. I suppose you've also got all of the storylines of Hamilton being out, Russell coming in and still outperforming mm -hmm. Bottas. That, that kind of storyline running throughout the weekend was something that added to that event. So I can definitely see where you're coming from there. Uh, but you've not had your way this time because Jimmy has sided with me <laughs> on Italy. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, Joe. That's good. But I'm sure you'll get over it. 
Um, right, so the next one I'm going to, or the next award we're going to look at was the best overtaken. I'm going to return quite quickly to Sakir um, and talk about George Russell's move around the outside of Bottas. Uh, of course, Bottas had pretty terrible tyres on, given that Mercedes had messed around for a bit and put the same tyres that he came into the pits with. But still, George Russell had some balls to go around the outside and almost put his Mercedes career on the line, because or, or reputation, I would say, rather than career. Because if that had gone wrong and they crashed, Russell would have been one of the people... Well, one of the two people to blame and that that would have not added to his stock but because he went for it and and pulled it off um that that's only added to his stock so i think that there were some great moves throughout the season i referred earlier to gasly's and i loved a few of the moves that danny rick made but in terms of importance, I've got to go for George Russell on Valtteri Bottas. No, I completely agree. I think it's the only choice, really, for overtake of the season. Not just because it was a brilliant overtake on the part of the track that very few people attempted to overtake on, but the wider context, as you mentioned, as well. I mean, I think Russell showed that he had that thing Bottas doesn't have, which is the killer instinct to get past a car when he needs to. That's been one of the biggest criticisms of... Bottas throughout his years at Mercedes and George in his first race with Mercedes showed he had exactly that that if there's a car in his way he'll find the way past it and it was with a car that he he's not comfortable in and and he's still learning like he, he put it in neutral by accident in qualifying <laughs> that weekend yeah. that that kind of demonstrates how how much he was getting to know of course he had Bono in his ears who's an experienced and calming voice but but still it, it was a great move and, as we've said, really important. What about you, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, it's a brilliant move and it, it puts him in really good stead for a, a Mercedes drive in 2022, I think. Brilliant season for overtaking, especially with a sort of close midfield. Um, so, yeah, we didn't really see like a, a Danny Rick sling down the inside and uh, slam on the brakes, uh, did we really? You say that. I, I loved the move that Daniel Ricciardo made in, I think it was Bahrain where Leclerc got past Sainz, and it, it was a good move by Sainz, but then Ricardo followed him through with a move that reminded me of the one that he made on Bottas in China a few years ago, where it, it was less than a cigarette width uh, between the tyres, uh, but he managed to sneak through, and, and that kind of cheeky kind of move is, is what I love, and it gets me off my seat. Do you know the one I mean? I think so, yeah. I've got a pretty good idea. Well, anyway, we're, we're all in agreement on George Russell and Bottas being the overtake of the season. Uh, so, the next one, I'm going to... I don't know if it's controversial, because to me it's quite obvious. The qualifier of the year was not George Russell, it was Charles Leclerc. He out-qualified Vettel, of course Vettel had his problems, but... He also outqualified his own car. His car was, well, it turned out to be the sixth fastest on the grid. Yet Leclerc managed to get into P4 on, I think, four different occasions uh, throughout the season. And he was fairly regular in, in the top 10 shootout. So that, that, that was a great marker of a champion. I think he is a, a future champion. He's that kind of 
Hamilton and Verstappen level in terms of talent and Vettel's recognised that with what he wrote on his helmet. I don't know if he yeah. saw that, but yeah, I'm going for Leclerc. I've actually disagreed with you there, although Charles Leclerc is a good shout. Um, but I'm going to go for Daniel Ricciardo as the best qualifier of the year. Um, he beat Ocon 15-2 in qualifying, um, which is the second best record after Russell over Latifi. But mm. I think Esteban Ocon is a far better driver than Nicholas Latifi, really. In terms of this against uh, Leclerc Vettel, um, it's very close. Um, I just I don't think, particularly in qualifying, Seb was offering the competition. Um, and I really think 15-2 against a driver of Ocon standard is very impressive. Yep, fair enough. Um, I disagree with you, but Jimmy, you can either pick someone that you think is better than both of us or, or, or conclude this little debate that we're having here. Um, yeah, probably I'd say George Russell, actually. Um, I think he did uh, really well uh, out doing the TFU. I can't remember the... the uh, the I think he's qualif- qualified him all really, hasn't he? Yeah, all 16, 16 yeah. yeah, which is pretty pretty good. And the fact that he's also got into Q two for nine times, I think, which is an amazing achievement in Williams, which isn't particularly that good. So yeah, I, I do think he's uh, he, he's done brilliantly in uh, in qualifying. He showed his class in the Williams, and then in Mercedes, it wasn't that bad. Finishing what? How many uh, hundreds off Bottas? Was it like? 200 it was very close that's for sure yeah yeah it was less than a blink of an eye we know that um so yeah we're, we're all disagreed on that but we respect each other's opinion i'd like to think yeah you don't respect mine then joe not particularly no 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 it's a very no no leclerc's a very good shout <laughs> definitely i know that's why i picked him <laughs> um <laughs> well i think the only one we've got left is the best race driver of the year and they're there's really no doubt for me it's Lewis Hamilton. It's an it's a nice boring answer, but he's the world champion again. Um, he he won how many how many did I think he it's win? Eleven, 11 out, out of seven, seventeen. Well, eleven, um, and he wasn't there for one. So, eleven yeah. out of sixteen, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Um, he only got beaten by Bottas uh, three times, was it? I think so. Yeah. I think three times, not that many times, but but the point is. He is the best driver, therefore he's the world champion. Slam dunk. Um, and he was also not just a good racing driver, he was a good role model, as we've touched on. Fighting for things on and off the track. And I almost feel as though having those other causes, such as Black Lives Matter and the Hamilton Commission, to, to be working on and fighting for, that's kind of given him a new purpose, which has motivated him more. And that's... A bad thing for his competitors, uh, but that's for them to deal with and not for me to worry about. Over to you, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I mean, there's only one choice. I think it has to be Hamilton. Um, you know, I think Verstappen and Perez and Ricardo, you could make arguments for, but I think Lewis has just been a completely different level. Um, without penalties in Russia and um, Italy, he could have won ten in a row. He really could, and he he could have broken the record for most wins in a in a very shortened season. I just think he's shown that he can do it the easy way. You know, sometimes just driving off in the distance from pole, and then sometimes the hard way in Turkey, 
and a brilliant comeback in Monza, actually. He finished just behind Bottas, despite what was effectively about a minute's penalty. So, yeah, just a completely different level and the only choice, I think. I think each season, at the end, we think, well, he can't really get much better than this, and somehow he goes away and finds another level. Obviously, he he wasn't quite at his best in Abu Dhabi, but to be fair to the guy, he had coronavirus only, well, less than two weeks previous mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, stunning performance. Out, we're out of superlatives at this point, but Jimmy might have someone different. We never know. No, I don't think so. Hamilton all the way. Brilliant season for him. Matt Schumacher, most wins all time. Yeah, I don't think he could have had a better year, to be honest. Um, just did really well. He's got to do it next year as well, hasn't he? Well, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that he'll do it next year, to be honest. I think that he's, he's just so much better than uh, Bottas, to be honest. So, so yeah. Yeah, I've got no doubt that he'll win next year as well. Okay, well, that has been really good in terms of going through all of those different talking points. But I'm just going to ask one more question, if that's all right, boys. What are you looking forward to most in 2021, specifically to do with Formula One? (laughs) Although I'm sure those listening from all over the world are interested in your personal lives. They They can find out that later. Anyway... I'm getting bogged down. What are you looking forward to in F1 2021? Oh, it's a, it's a tough one. You've put me on the spot. I think Perez in a Red Bull will be very exciting to see how, both how good he is and how good Verstappen really is as well. Um, because Perez is a really solid driver. And I, I do think Verstappen will beat him. But if he can stay as far ahead of Perez as he has um, Gasly and Albon, that... That really, you know, shows that Verstappen is going to be the one to challenge Lewis. Um, yeah, so I think it's Perez in a Red Bull. Um, and the the rivalry he'll have with with, with Verstappen. And do, you, do you think that Perez is a better number two driver to have than Bottas? Oh, it remains to be seen because... I think Perez is a really big team player, you know, he always tends to care about the points you see a lot after the race, Um, you know, he always cares where his teammate finishes, getting the points for the team, but we have seen in 2017, it did get a bit feisty with Ocon, there was a bit of a rivalry there, Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the relationship with Max Verstappen unfolds. Yeah, that's going to be a really fascinating and and Jimmy, what what about you? What are you looking forward to next year? Hopefully, I know you know both that I'm a big McLaren fan, so maybe um, McLaren a bit, maybe fighting Red Bull at a few races. That would be amazing. Um, I don't think it will happen, uh, but yeah, that would be incredible. Uh, with a Mercedes engine, who knows? Oh, they've got a very good chassis. It's conceivable that they could win next season. Yeah, they've got a very good chassis, that's for sure. Uh, and the Renault engine's not really up to much, is it? Uh, but yeah the Mercedes engine you know we've seen in Force India and um and the Williams as well that they're it's pretty quick um in a straight line so so yeah um I'd be looking forward to that actually to see if uh, McLaren can uh, continue their good form up with the table okay well I'm just going to say that I'm looking forward to seeing how Fernando Alonso uh gets on back in Formula One after a few years out that's going to be interesting that's a very good shout how he can yeah I know um but also, I want to see Vettel come back. I want him to do well at Aston Martin because he he is a classy driver 
and like we've spoken about he's not been treated well at Ferrari so hopefully he can bounce back as well but whatever it is that you're looking forward to I think it's going to be a good season and we can all agree on that I want to say thank you so much to Joe and Jimmy for giving up their Christmas or nearly uh, a bit of their Christmas um, we're not recording on Christmas Day, don't worry, but it's still part of the festive period. Not that we're allowed out of our houses. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I appreciate your time. Uh, do you have anything else to say uh, to the ladies and gentlemen whilst you've got the microphone? Uh, not really, just it's been, uh, been good to uh, have a bit of a throwback and debate some sport with you. Um, yeah, very enjoyable. Yeah, we need, we need to get you... We need to get you on to talk about VAR and what you think of that, John. Oh, no, that that would be a far more hostile discussion. <laughs> it's been brilliant talking to you both. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, for sure. Uh, I always love these sort of conversations, and you're two good mates, so, yeah, really enjoyed it, for sure. Nice to see you both as well. Uh, I know it's virtually, but still. Anyway, yes, have a lovely Christmas, anyone that is still listening. Um, and, yeah. I'll see you in 2021. So that really is everything from AJ on the line regarding the 2020 Formula 1 season. However, you can count on me to be back next year. And as I said just then, I think it's going to be a great season. Anyway, I hope that you and your loved ones have had a lovely Christmas and are making the most of the festive period. Hopefully, next year can be an even better year for all of us. For now though, You've been listening to AJ on the Line with your host, Adam Williams.